This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Rays Radio. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we sit down with Rays players, coaches, and front office executives to discuss the latest news in Rays baseball. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas with his first big league hit. It's a home run against Chris Sale. Now to get you ready for opening day, here are the voices of the Rays. Good evening, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show. Along with Andy Freed, I am Dave Wills, and we are inside the studios here of 95.3 WDAE and AM620. And again, the magical words have been uh, said and have been uh, taken care of now. Pitchers and catchers have reported, Andy Freed. And uh, looking at some of the numbers and looking at some of the guys who are already there, uh, just listening to uh, some of the things that Neil Solons has been tweeting that we've been catching from Mark Topkin what, only about seven guys aren't there from the full squad. They don't have to report until Sunday. But uh, as uh, Kevin has said many, many times, it seems like these guys are chomping at the bit to uh, build upon a 90-win season. Not resting their laurels on it, but building upon it. Because 90 wins didn't get them anything, as it turned out. It's going to probably, or at least quite possibly, take more than 90 wins. So uh, an early start, I think, is always good. Raining yesterday, so they did a lot of stuff inside, which I like Kevin Cash's quote that said that's kind of nice for the pitchers because it's loud, and when you're throwing 90, it sounds like you're throwing 98. But uh, nobody's really throwing it, uh, I, I don't think, at that point, at this, uh, at this point of spring training. But, you know, the, the sounds of spring training, you know, it, in this – World of Twitter, when you get to get little clips from you know the the Arizona spring training and the Florida spring training and this team's camp and that team's camp, and you hear all those sounds. You even hearing some crack of the bat, mm-hmm. even though pitchers and catchers are the only ones officially have to have reported by now. So we're hearing the pop of the mitt, we're hearing the crack of the bat, and you just can't wait to get down there and smell the fresh grass and get this thing going. And the sound of spikes going through the uh, mm-hmm. the dirt, you can hear that as well. And uh, you know, again, a lot of optimism surrounding the Rays and Kevin Cash, uh, pretty pumped up. And the things you hear now as well is. I like the way the ball was coming out of his hand. I like the fact that uh, you know he looked uh, he looked good. You know you hear a lot of that. Uh, you know Matt uh, Matt Duffy gaining 23 pounds on a 4,500 calorie diet per day diet uh, that helped him gain 23 pounds to build up his frame a little bit. And then other guys lost some weight. But uh, you know it, it is going to be an interesting spring uh, watching how things kind of uh, unfold, especially with some of the young guys. I know that uh, you know Brent Honeywell is a guy to keep an eye on that probably will not pitch in a game. Same with Jose De Leon because. They're coming back from Tommy John surgery, but I'm anxious to see uh, some of the young guys. I'm anxious to see like a Jesus Sanchez. I'm anxious to see, uh, you know, Colin Pochet and Ian Jabot and uh, just to, to name a couple as uh, we do start to play baseball. What, a week from tomorrow is our first broadcast. It'll be on RaysBaseball.com. And our first radio broadcast will be a week from Saturday, Saturday night at 6 o'clock. We're uh, really ready. I mean, it's to that point. Uh, it's, you, you mentioned Matt Duffy also, Dave. When we were at FanFest uh, last Saturday, which was a great event as always, I think you had just stepped away. You were going to, to host the panel with Brian Kenny and, and Kevin Cash and a couple others when Matt Duffy walked up. And Neil and I were sitting there, and you could notice just the – uh, he just looks a lot bigger and stronger right now. And even from the handshake, the forearms, you can sense that he's ready to go because he's trying to tap into some power. You know, he had a lot of power, uh, not like 40 homer power, but a good you know 10 to 15 home run mm-hmm. power guy before he uh, had to miss about a year and a half with injury. So I think that's part of it, not only for power also, but to stay fresh as, as the year goes on. And again, a lot of depth on this team and a lot of versatility. That's the, the buzzword we've been hearing already in this first couple of days of uh, Rays baseball getting underway down at Port Charlotte. Versatility, not only with the everyday players, but with the pitching staff as well. Well, he's Andy Freed. I am Dave Wills. we got a jam-packed show today. We're going to talk here in just a little bit with... The reigning Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell. We'll get to that interview that Andy had with him during uh, the festivities at FanFest. I'll talk with Kevin Kiermeyer in just a little bit. We had a great conversation with Brian Kenny 
of the MLB Network on a, an assortment of things, from the Rays to Major League Baseball, what's going on, and also maybe some possible rule changes. So we've got all that and more to t- cover for the next hour here till the top of the hour at 7 o'clock. And again, if you are experiencing baseball withdrawal, your remedy is Rays Spring Training. Opening day is Friday, February 22nd. Your Rays will take on the Phillies at Charlotte Sports Park, and the first 1,000 fans will receive a DJ Kitty mascot head courtesy of State Farm. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring for more information. He's Andy. I'm Dave. We'll continue with the Rays Countdown to Opening Day show and a visit with Blake Snell, the reigning Cy Young Award winner on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620 and the Rays Radio Network. We are visiting now with the reigning American League Cy Young Award winner, and that is Blake Snell. And, of course, it has a very good ring to it. You know, Blake, by the way, that does become your name when you win the Cy Young Award. You will only be introduced as American League Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell. Have you gotten used to it yet? Uh, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just focused on the next season. and um, it's. I mean, I don't, I don't think about the individual awards. I mean... I think that's something that when your career is over with, you, you reflect and you see, wow, this is what I've done or this is what I haven't done. So to, to get this award, I mean, it, it's obviously it's amazing. It feels great. But I'm, just, I'm in a state of mind where I'm always focused on what's next, what can I do better, yep. how do I keep moving forward and gaining ground to be the best player I can be. I mean, that's a very mature way to look at it. But I, I'm sure during the off season, it's a different off season, right? At awards, banquets, you were just in New York recently. We know Kevin came up and Kyle was there as well. And uh, what was that moment like? I mean, you, you're be, there's more to be expected. You have to speak more publicly. And we've known you since you were just coming up. What has that experience been like? Yeah, I mean, it's a cool experience. You learn a lot from it because it's something that I've never done. Uh, usually my off-seasons are no traveling, and I stay in Seattle, and I make sure no one bothers me when I'm in Seattle. So to have to move and do stuff like that and go to Dallas, Oklahoma, um, Vegas, New York, I mean, I was all over the place. And it, then I had to start saying, hey, I got a season to get ready for. I, I can't be doing all this stuff. And um, I had to cancel some trips just so I could focus on my off season and make sure that I was getting myself as ready as I can be for, for what I'm about to endure this season. Yep, and I do want to talk about this season, but I want to ask you, too, about you keep in touch with fans in interesting ways, uh, which I think is a very modern way to do it with Twitch, with Fortnite. I mean, you're talking to fans. How did that whole thing start, and how did you get your handle that you use? Yeah, I mean, I just like playing video games and I realized this is probably the next thing that athletes will do so I wanted to be ahead of it and I want to do a stream to where it's legit like it's better than the streamers like I'm able to do that so I have a guy that I work with named John that helps me in my stream and makes it as good as it can be and um, I just thought that the coolest thing about starting this is that one I want a stream that people watch like wow this is cool and they, they feel like they're a part of it it's a family feel but also, it's cool to see how many people come and, and started its own family of how many people look forward to the stream and look forward yeah. to being able to talk to each other on the stream. And um, it allows fans to know, like, I'm just a human. Like, yeah. there's nothing crazy special about me other than I can throw a baseball good. But when it comes deep down to it, I'm a person, and, and that's what it is. So I think it was cool for fans to see a side of me that I don't show on the baseball field because this is work. i got to focus up and – I can be more of a kid and mess around when I'm streaming to where they can watch me and see that. Do people ever come up to you in person and say, hey, I spoke with you on the video game? Is that a way to meet people also? Yeah. I mean, it happens a lot, honestly. And a lot of people have messaged me saying, like, you haven't streamed in a couple of days. We miss you. And I mean, I have run into people and they're like, hey, I saw you on your stream. It's great. It's amazing. And yeah, and it's cool because that's, um, that's the whole purpose of it. I want to interact with people that feel like they don't get to interact with me as much as they'd like and be able to talk to them and build and and grow relationships, I mean, over a a video game that I just enjoy playing and I'm pretty good at. So I I find it very fun and cool. And, I mean, people get to watch a video game, I succeed at it, and they get to talk to me and watch me freak out. Now, you're talking to an old dinosaur here. So, I mean, I go back to the beginning with video games, but now you're more into the – how did you – evolve on that what did you start playing what got you into it into what you're doing now in terms of what games that you like 
Yeah, my older brother started everything for me, video games. And then I just realized, like, I'd rather play video games and go out, party, and go out and just wear my body down. So it made more sense to me to play video games and relax or watch a movie and relax than go out and have fun at a club or something. Like, I'd much rather just relax and do nothing because I'm working. I got stuff to focus on. So I got to get my body rested up for the next day. What do you do physically during the off season? I mean, rest is a very much of an important thing, but then you got to ramp up. So what is, what is the schedule like, and what do you do physically to get ready for this year? Yeah, I mean, I work out in the morning, and uh, if I don't work out in the morning, I just work out at night and then uh, do a lot of cardio and make sure that my arm's ready to go. I think running's everything for me. I think running really does keep my arm healthy and and. Uh, and where it needs to be strength-wise. And, uh, I mean, that's really all I do. And then get ready to play video games. Yeah, and then that, and that always helps. That always yeah. helps. Why is cardio important for pitchers? I can remember even playing in, in high school. We ran a ton uh, uh, as, as the pitchers. How does that help you performing at the highest level? Well, I just think it, it allows inflammation to kind of calm down. I mean, it's all this new blood that circulates because your whole body is moving when you run. To where the, the blood's able to move and, it, and it's able to get to spots that I wanted if you're just sitting there yeah. or if you just do a band, like right. whatever you're doing. Um, I've always felt like when I run, I feel way better the next day. So I definitely am not going to stop running. Plus, I love running. So it's kind of cool that it helps me with my job since I like it so much. You're out, out west. Do you run through the neighborhood or is it something where you like to go to a gym and run in place? How do you, how do, you do it? Uh, it all depends. I mean, Ray's don't like to hear it, but I play basketball. Um, I'm not rebounding or doing anything where I jump, but I definitely run, play defense. Um, but I, most of my running, though, is on a, on a football field at a track. That's where most of it is. But sometimes I will play basketball. It's something I like to do, but I'm very smart about it. I make sure I'm not doing anything I shouldn't be, um, even though playing basketball I shouldn't be doing. But I'm smart about it, and I don't do it often. Are you still coaching basketball too? Tell me about that. Yeah, coach. Love it. Um, able to, I mean, connect with kids, understand kids, understand their mindset, um, and really learn, like, the generation that they have and their work ethic and what they do good and what they don't do good. And to be able to see that, learn from it, um, and then also kind of see how, how they respect us and as coaches. And, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's a whole other world. Um, and it's definitely stressful. So to be able to be there, see that, understand these players, some listen, some don't, um, and see people grow when you teach them and also see people fail when you teach them. It's cool to be able to learn as a coach on what, what you did right, what you did wrong, and how you're going to continue to grow and learn. So it's very exciting for me. It's, it's something that I, I, very, I can see myself doing down the road, and I enjoy it a lot. So. Did that start because of your relationship with Kyle and you could see how much as a coach he was able to help you along and vice versa? And do you take anything from him or talk to him about coaching now that you do coaching too? Um, I mean, kind I'd say. I mean, I, I listen to Kyle very, very well and I trust everything he says. But for me, it's more um, I just wanted to see what players are like now. I wanted to see the difference between when I played sports and when they play sports. And then once I started to see the difference, I really wanted to help kids actually have a chance. I mean, it's my old high school, so I really wanted to be able to try to help people and get them to where I'm at and see a dream come true because there's nothing more beautiful than working for something and seeing it, I mean, happen in front of your eyes. You know, it's funny, and you mentioned the successes and the failures. The successes are great, but I have always found it interesting to see how guys come back from failure and, and as you're a pitcher inevitably you're gonna i mean you hardly gave up runs and home runs but you know th- it does happen and it's part of it how do you impart that along to a young person that look when we're young we don't like failing that's not fun whether it's on the basketball court or whatever how do you impart that knowledge that you've given to them and how do you get them to be receptive to it yeah i mean everyone wants to succeed everyone wants to feel important everyone wants to i mean that's just what everyone wants but at the end of the day the most beautiful thing that you have to get used to is failing and how you adapt from failing and how you learn and how you grow and you don't allow failure to be what makes you you allow failure to what builds you and makes you the player that you want to be and 
to I mean, everyone says, all the greats say failing is what made them so good because it made them hungrier. It made them want to be that much better way more often because when you suck, I mean, no one's going to be there. When you succeed, everyone's going to be there. And for me to understand that allows me to stay grounded and understand they're here now, but if I fail, will they be here? I know I'll be here. I'll be the one working to get better. I know my family will be here. So it's cool to understand that and to see that and to grow and to build and and to see just what you're really worth inside and what you can do. So 2017 had a terrible year, but it didn't didn't mean anything to me other than I got a lot to learn and a lot to grow on, and I did that. And I'm very happy where I'm at now, but I'm also very happy at the direction I'm heading in because with a good year, it just allows me to understand what I did right, but I'm always looking to be better, always. So very excited about how I'm going to grow and what I'm going to do to be that much better. We're visiting with Blake Snell on our Countdown to Opening Day show. Just a couple of moments left. All right, well, what needs to get better for you this year? I mean, we know the kind of year you had a season ago. What can you improve on? Because you're not sneaking up on anybody. Everybody knows when you're going to be on the mound this year. Yeah, and um, for me to get better is all about consistency. This game is built on consistency, obviously, but it'd be to be consistent, number one, but also number two, um, I just think my mindset is everything. The way that I approach games mentally is going to be something that's going to allow me to be the best me I could ever be. So that's something that I really want to hone in on, as well as this offseason I honed in on my core and I honed in on my legs and these are the things that I need to get better at and things I needed to get stronger to really be able to last a full season and be as strong as I could ever be. So it's those little things that are going to help me, and it's always nitpicking. I need to throw and understand what I need to do to be better, but um, I'm excited to start throwing bullpens and and playing more catch and continuing to build every day when I'm doing that. Are you looking forward to coming back with Tyler, coming back with now Charlie Morton, who's joined the rotation, and this group of pitchers, which uh, really vaulted this team to a new level, and naturally you seem to have, you know, not just from your on-field success, but just the way you handle yourself, taking that leadership role. What about those guys? And then what could you learn from a guy like Charlie Morton? This is a guy that's ended World Series before. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, There's definitely a lot to learn with Charlie. I mean, that guy, he played on a a rotation that's arguably the best rotation in all of baseball. He's been to the playoffs back-to-back years. Um, And he's just a dude that's very quiet. So those quiet guys, I know they got a lot to talk about, but I got to pry it out of them. I might not have to, but from what I was able to see at the All-Star game, he's a quiet guy, minds himself. But I'm, I'm definitely very excited to have him. He's a guy that's a veteran that I'll be looking up to. And uh, I know a lot of guys will. I mean, to have him here is, is beautiful for us. I mean, it's going to help us a lot. We always needed a veteran pitcher. Um, I know with the Cy Young, and, and that, that's cool. But to have a veteran guy that you can have in the clubhouse that's been through everything, um, that, I mean, you can't take that away from him and what he's able to teach all of us young pitchers uh, to the game. So I'm very excited about it. I'm so happy he's here. There's a lot to learn. And with Tyler, I mean, he's going through what I went through. So it's awesome to see that and to be able to help him and reference point stuff to him. Um, it's amazing. And he's a guy that's very talented. I mean, the, I mean, the sky's the limit with that guy, the talent that he has, what he can do with a baseball. Um, it's, it's purely amazing. So I'm definitely excited to to see what he can do this year. He looks great. I mean, I've seen videos of him. So uh, I'm very ready to see him in spring, see him live, and, and watch him grow this year. Very much. Final thought, Blake, as we wrap this up. The American League East this year is going to be a bear, and I think the Rays are right in the middle of it. Boston, New York, and the Rays, they're all going to be predicted towards the top. After 90 wins last year, uh, the improvement this, this team showed last year, how far can this team go, and what are your expectations for 2019 as for the team yeah i mean my expectations i want to get to the playoffs um how we're going to do that is all based off how we show up to spring how we work as a group and a unit um and are we what is our what is our overall goal as a team and the players um i mean it really takes all of us to buy in and commit to something so it's all going to depend on on what we want and if everyone's on board and i feel like everyone will be i mean it's pretty much the same team with some new additions that are going to help us a lot but 
I think that's what's really going to take us over the top is when we do have our uh, players meeting and we understand this is what we're trying to do. And then we have our team meeting with the coaches. This is what we're trying to do. This is what we want to accomplish. And then getting after it every day and understanding this is our purpose. This is our why. And being able to do that is going to be able to allow us to, to be where we want to be by the end of the season. But there's going to be a lot of adversity and a lot of stuff that each team will face. But for us, it's about how we bounce back and hopefully – we limit the losing streaks and keep building on winning streaks. And, I mean, that's pretty much the game. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun season. This team, I think this team is, is ready to do something special. So we just got to put it together as a team and really believe in each other. All right, Blake, we look forward to it this year. We salute you and your accomplishments of the recent past and really looking forward to opening day. And when we get a moment, teach me something about Fortnite, would you? I will, I will. Appreciate, appreciate you having me. Well, he hasn't taught me anything yet, and I don't know how good of a student I'd be, but uh, I'd look forward to that at some point, and we all look forward to watching Blake Snell pitch here in 2019. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed. This is Ray's Countdown to Opening Day. We remind you that when you walk into Tropicana Field, you can do it flexing this season with the Ray's Flex Pack. Save up to 60% uh, off the single-game ticket price when you get five lower-level tickets for just $75. Visit raysbaseball.com slash flex for more information Raise up. When we come back, Dave Wills gets a chance to chat with the best center fielder in baseball. That is Kevin Kiermeyer. We'll be talking about all kinds of stuff, including staying on the field and him becoming a new dad this offseason. This is Rays Countdown to Opening Day on 95.3 WDAE and 620 AM and the Rays Radio Network. The best way to experience spring training is with the Rays Mini Packs. Fans can pick between three-game or six-game packs with a low price starting at just $44. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring for more information. Raise up. He's Andy. I'm Dave. As we continue our countdown to opening day show again, the Rays pitchers and catchers have reported full squad shows up by Sunday. All but seven guys are there right now. One of those guys not there yet is our next guest, Kevin Kiermeyer. But Kevin tweeted today that he's going to start making the ride down I-75 tomorrow, and he will be in Port Charlotte tomorrow afternoon. But it's been an interesting offseason for one Kevin Kiermeyer, including the fact that not only is he healthy, he's a new dad too. It's been great. Um, an absolute blessing to, our, to me and Marissa's lives. And uh, it's funny because, you know, you have people throughout the whole pregnancy to tell you what to expect. And the main thing I heard is that, You'll never love something more than your children. And uh, like I said, you know, I love my wife in a way, but it's different when you create this beautiful little human being. And um, he's just been an absolute joy. The sleep, now that's been, that's on, uh, hey, you know, it's a work in progress, but um, he, he's worth waking up to in the middle of the night and he's doing better now. But it's been a total lifestyle change, but definitely for the better and being a parent it feels weird saying that but uh it's a great thing and um i i look forward to coming home to seeing him each and every day and it's awesome you know if sometimes we notice a change in the person as well when they do become a parent we've watched you know ball players like yourself who've come up as a young buck you know 22 23 years old next thing you know three four years down the line they have a kid and it seems like their whole thought process changed because it's no longer just about me it's about my wife it's about my kid my son my daughter my son and daughter whatever the case may be do you have a different feel about uh, yourself now as you are a dad yeah I've always uh you know I've always been that guy where yeah in the baseball world you need to be selfish in ways you have to do what you need to do to prepare your body for the long season and you know put yourself in the best chance to be successful you know throughout the minor leagues and even the major leagues you want to stick around and um you know, for me, I got the contract a couple years ago. That was a great, you know, personal accolade for me and my family to, you know, have us set for life. But then you have a baby like this, and then everything else that kind of mattered in life, it it's so secondary now where it's just like, look, all you care about is your loved one. So, you know, when I say I'd rather have something happen to me than them, I, I mean it. And, uh, yeah, my focus has changed as far as you know how I look at life now and like I said I do anything for my son I do anything for my wife and uh, my whole life I'm just running around trying to see where my baseball career is going to go but you know now that I'm one of the crafty veterans on the team with four and a half years of service figured I'd do some crafty veteran type things and uh, start a family so it's it's all it's been great 
But uh, yeah, definitely life life changing thing, and it just changed your perspective on a lot of things, but in a positive way. I don't have my cheaters on, but I don't see any grays in that uh, crafty veteran gray beard of yours right there. But as we visit with Kevin Kiermaier here on our Countdown to Opening Day show, as we do prepare for now uh, this season for the Tampa Bay Rays, again, uh, there's been a lot of change over here. Since the time you came, we were just talking before we went on the air about you being part of Game 163 in 2013 and game uh, the wild card game against the Indians. And then since the 2015 season, I think it's only you, Blake Snell, and Matt Duffy who came during that year, and Duffy came on during that year, that are left. You look at the coaching staff, and really Stan Borowski and Kevin Cash are the only two guys left. I mean, there's been an awful lot of changeover on this Tampa Bay Rays team. Yeah, I've been uh, fortunate, I guess you could say, to meet a lot of new people uh, in this this dome we're sitting in right now. Just, you know, there's a lot of turnover in baseball, but for us... um, you know, we, we've made some moves. We've we've uh, seen some great guys walk out the door, but we've brought in a lot of great guys. And last year was a perfect example of all that. You know, not expected to do anything and go out and win 90 games and then bring in some great additions once again this year. I mean, I think expectations are maybe not from the media or anyone, but I think from us players, we know what we're going to expect out of each other after we all proved ourselves last year what we could do and um, that's why I'm so excited to get this year going and you know I, I revert back to what I said last spring training I, after we had all the moves and everything and the guys we brought in and I, I meant this when I said this I said I've never been more excited for a season than what I was last spring training headed into the year because I knew that there was a lot of talent in the room that no one else really knew but I I saw it day in and day out in spring and throughout the season and now fast forward to this year now I you saw all the coming out parties last year you know I'm looking at a few guys D-Rob Diego Castillo Jose Alvarado Joey Wendell Blake Snell just to name a few and then we we signed guys like Charlie Morton huge huge signing for us Abisal Garcia Heredia Zanino just to name a few I, I couldn't be more excited for the season to start because, like I said, we we're, we're still going to go out there and you know try to surprise people because still might not be expected to do a whole lot, but that's okay with us. Even if some people think we're going to be good, it doesn't matter. It matters that we go out there and execute at a high level, at a consistent pace, and get to where we want to be, and then win. You know, after the regular season, you know, we want to get to the postseason. We want to win the postseason. That that's the goal each and every year. And I've never been more of a believer than what I am right now. I'm not trying to hype everyone up or get anyone excited. I truly believe it when I say that. And I I cannot wait to take the field. I know in the previous segment, Andy talked with the reigning Cy Young Award winner, and that still sounds kind of interesting in Blake's now, where he said, hey, we're a playoff team. I expect this to be a playoff team. I know you don't really want to maybe add the pressure to some of the young players, but i got to believe that, again, you look at some of the the, the – Brainiac stuff that's coming out, the Dakota ratings, uh, all that stuff says we're probably a playoff team. The folks in Vegas say we're a playoff team. I mean, I think we're better than what we were a year ago, so that might mean we are a playoff. Yeah, I I believe so. Um, Like I said, you you got Tyler Glasnow for a year. You got Charlie Moore and Blake Snell. And, you know, whatever we do with the opener, our bullpen is nasty. And then, you know, if guys like Joey Wendell and Matt Duffy and, you know, guys just do – half of what they did last year and for me I I'm gonna have a huge bounce back year and I'm speaking for me personally I've made a lot of great adjustments and I'm just gonna prove to each and everyone that last year you know just trying to make up for lost time uh, did me no good this year like I said if I I just want to go out there play my game I'm gonna be a much better player I promise you that I promise each and every one of you that and uh, but we have so much talent um, kind of got off track there for a little bit but um like I said I I just am so antsy to get out there I can't wait to see how everything's gonna go in spring training and then see what the roster is gonna what's gonna happen of it come opening day but we have a lot of talent in that clubhouse and uh who wouldn't be excited about it when I'm sitting up in my nice comfy chair some 75 80 feet away from home plate where the game gets a lot easier when I look at Kevin Kiermaier, I sit there and think when Kevin Kiermaier lets the game come to him, Kevin Kiermaier's 
an elite defender, if not one of the best defenders in the game. He's a guy who can do things at the plate. He can hit line drives, he can get the ball on the ground, beat ground balls out, he can hit home runs, and he can run the bases as well as anybody out there. When Kevin Kiermaier maybe tries to be a little more than Kevin Kiermaier, that's when he gets himself into trouble. Is that a pretty decent scouting report? Yeah, and, you know, it all goes back to to me talking about my injuries. You know, last year, like I said, I, I did not play good. I had a couple good weeks, and, a lot more bad weeks than good weeks, but what I tell people in a nutshell, I tried making up for my two and a half months lost in one swing way too many times. And all that did was have me walk back to the dugout, sitting here trying to figure out what I need to do. So what you can expect out of me this year, I'm, I'm a much better player when I don't, when I don't try. If like a less is, and now I, I say that, let me explain, a less is more type of approach where I'm my best player when I hit the ball to all fields and sometimes I get caught up in power back in 2017 you know I hit 15 home runs and 90 some games and I you know I sit here after the season like man I could be a, a serious power threat it's not my game last year was such a great learning point for me I promise you as, as much as it hurt personally um, I'm telling you it's going to make me better and last season's over with I'm looking forward to a clean slate for all of us heading in 2019 season. But I want to prove to people that I'm still a hell of a ball player. And I'm going to go out there, and I, I promise you, you're going to see a more relaxed approach up there where I'm not trying to do too much. And I'm going to carry that throughout this whole season. And I need to avoid that freak freak injury. I mean, I need to stay on the field. And I, I hate being biased towards myself because I, I don't think I'm injury prone. I'm not out here pulling a calf or straining a quad, but I've been on the 60-day DL three years in a row. So for me, it's so frustrating for me because all three of my injuries could have easily been avoided. They weren't. I'll live with that forever, and I'll always think about that. But going in this year, I promise you, my, my mindset, how I'm thinking, and what I want to do is the best it's ever been heading into a season and I feel great physically and I'm just ready to put my talents on display for you guys so I can back up what I'm saying and I will. Well, we, we do. I think it is very important for Kevin Kiermaier to be on the field because, again, it, it takes our defense to another level when you're out there in center field. And I think, as I've said, even though I think we have be, become more athletic of a team, you're still one of the few guys on the team that can do a number of different things at the plate and on the bases. And I think a big part of the, the Rays' success going forward. All right, well, as we do get ready to wrap this up, you know, again, you, you live here in Tampa now. You spend your uh, off season and uh, you start to prep by getting ready and playing with the University of Tampa baseball team. I saw you took him out to Outback. I mean, I was, Andy and I were kind of waiting for an invitation. <laughs> it must have got lost in the mail. I, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where they don't ask me to do anything. Uh, they don't. They don't expect that. But I'm not just going to go use their their field. You know, I go work with them right after the season's over in the fall. So I'm just going to say that that's why I'm able to do everything. There's a lot of players who wish they could go out there and be on the field with them with their great coaching staff, great players, each and every day like I am, especially once the new year hits. But it's just uh, a sign of respect and how grateful I am for uh, them allowing me to be on the field with them a month and a half before spring training. So I already feel like I'm a few steps ahead of everyone going into spring. And um, that's just with how great they treat me. So the least I can do is give back. And hey, I was a college kid. At one time, believe it or not, I know what we ate. So when they went on the road trip up to Georgia this week, I said, look, I want everyone to order steaks. It's on me. I was not there. I paid for it. But um, I know how few and far between those meals are for struggling college kids. So I know they appreciate it. But like I said, I appreciate them so much for allowing me to do what I do out there. And uh, it'll be like that for years to come. But we've, we've created a special relationship and I am forever grateful for it. I really am. You had a chance toward the end of last year, though, working with a couple of guys on each side of you defensively. And I know there's, again, communication. There's a feel for it. I mean, uh, you know, Tommy Pham's not a guy. I mean, I wouldn't want to bump into you, but Tommy Pham's not a guy I'd want to bump into either. And then you go to Austin Meadows, and he's pretty well put together as well. So there's some communications. There's new lights. I mean, uh, how comfortable are you with both of those guys? And I would imagine that's going to be a work in progress during the spring too. Yeah, I'm comfortable with them out there. And, you know, thankfully we had, um, you know, the last month or so of the season. Well, with, with Tommy we had a couple months, but Austin – 
you know, he was up the last month, so I got to know him as a person, what he can do out there. But um, definitely, you know, working with him and Avisayo Garcia, he's another guy that I'm not trying to run into. So we have a lot of talent out there once again this year. And, uh, you know, it's our job in spring training to sit here and mesh together as a unit and figure out all the communication. And uh, it's nice to have um, the, the body language where you don't even have to say anything to your – they just kind of know when you give them a look or do a couple hand signals. The quicker you learn to do all that, the better. And that's what we're going to try to establish in spring. So we have a heck of an outfield. We, I mean, we have a heck of a team, but I'm excited to play next to the guys on each side of me. We are excited to see you back on the field. Again, uh, we've got pitchers and catchers reporting uh, this week. Uh, positional players will be there a few days later. And then before you know it, what, uh, February 22nd, Andy and I will be broadcasting games. And we look forward to see Kevin Kiermeyer out there in center field. Kevin, thanks for taking the time. And that was Kevin Kiermeyer joining us in our Countdown to Opening Day show. And again, KK uh, tweeting out today that uh, this was his last day of the offseason. Worked out with the folks at Tampa and uh, feels like he's in the best shape of his life and is going to be reporting to camp tomorrow down in Port Charlotte. He's Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills. We will continue with our Countdown to Opening Day show. We have a great conversation coming up with MLB Network's Brian Kenny in just a couple of moments. And we talk about all sorts of things, including the Rays, Major League Baseball, and some of the other things that are going on surrounding this great game of ours. This is, again, the Countdown to Opening Day show on 95.3 WDA and AM620 and the Rays Radio Network. Here on Rays Countdown to Opening Day, we count down to the Rays and the Astros March 28th right here at Tropicana Field. And now we're visited. We're getting a chance to visit with a man that we get a chance to see a lot. Dave and I watch him pretty much every day in the booth before the game from MLB Now and MLB Network, Brian Kenny. And how excited do you get for opening day as we start to get this close pitch to catchers well, pretty much underway. I, I'm very excited. You know, the the off season uh, for me is still prime time. Uh, but yeah, there's always something magical, like when the actual pitchers are being thrown. There's still something that you know stirs in your heart when you get ready for opening day. And you know, there's nothing like it. You know, it, uh, hope springs eternal, and baseball really marks that passage. But here we are. What a couple of weeks into the month of February, and uh, well. Maybe as of this taping, a couple of the big boys still haven't signed, and there's been all this talk again, pushback from the players' union, owners, is there collusion, is there this? I mean, I, you know, I guess history has a tendency to repeat itself. I watched a show on MLB Network not too long ago about the Oakland A's and what, you know, Charles Finley was doing with some of those guys and the money that was involved and owners versus players. So it's not the first time that this has ever happened, and it seems like for the second year in a row, third year in a row, we're a little slow on that free agent market. Yeah, I, I don't think there's um – I don't think this is management versus labor, and I'm very keen on that, and certainly that's a big part of the history of Major League Baseball. However, I think this is just the new uh, proper evaluation of player value. That doesn't mean players shouldn't get a slice of the pie, a very big slice of the pie, and maybe it's half the pie. I'm not arguing any of that, but I know, uh, I even wrote in my book three years ago on when I did a study of big money free agents, My conclusion was, my theory was, and this is my opening line of, I think, chapter 10, I have a theory. I would never, if I'm advising a club, I would never spend $100 million on a free agent. I mean never. I wrote that. That that should be your guiding principle. For the most part, they don't work out. Now, the number one mitigating factor is age. Mm -hmm. Machado and Harper have that in their favor. So I understand they're worth quite a bit. But I think everybody automatically thinking we're going to continue to break the bank, break the bank. Well, have we not seen enough of those deals? And that's half of those deals go south. And what you're paying for on the free agent market, what you're supposed to be paying for is certainty. It doesn't give you that. I know those guys are young, but I think what they're finding is there's been a paradigm shift in front offices. And they all think the way sabermetric guys think. And they're not spending that type of money for the length of that. If someone comes out and says, hey, how about... Two years, $80 million for Bryce Harper. $40 million a year. Talking serious money. The, like the highest AAV. I think teams would jump on that. So it's not the money, it's the length, and it's the totality. Is that how you think it's going to ultimately play out with these guys? I mean, it seems like a new direction is being forged, like it or not, from a player standpoint. How do you think the Harper, Machado, that sort of do you think it will go that direction you're speaking of? Yeah, I, I, and it's, well, I don't know if it goes that way. I think there are going to be teams where, I, I know when the White Sox, right, I think, the, you know, the White Sox make a lot of sense for Machado. 
Um, if I'm the White Sox, I really love Manny Machado. You need a star. You need production. You have a lot of young players coming up. The, the playoff stuff, that nonsense, doesn't bother me if I'm the White Sox. If I'm the Yankees, it bothers me because I know I'm going to the playoffs. And I want them to fight for every base in the playoffs. If I'm with the White Sox, no, man. Just be a great shortstop third baseman. That's good enough. And be a star. So they put out allegedly, and it was retracted, and there were reports. You guys are hip to this. But it was like, what, seven years? 175. Uh, 175. Yeah. Yeah. And that was deemed by the sporting press as insulting. Now, how is that insulting? <laughs> now, and I'm not looking at it... Uh, I grew up in the period, you guys did too, of hearing, well, you know, the old sports writer, well, you're, you're playing a boy's game. You should be just happy to get out there. Of course not. You should be paid. But seven years at $25 million per is getting paid. I think that ultimately is what happens because I think there are a few teams, whether it's the White Sox, Padres, teams that are kind of in the middle or toward the bottom that are trying to emerge. That's where buying a star helps you because then you become Bryce Harper and the and the Padres. You know, you're not Bryce Harper and the Red Sox, but you're Bryce Harper and the Padres. You're Manny Machado and the White Sox. You you need that star. You you know, you, but at a certain price. So I think that's where it ends up. Brian Kenny of MLB Now and MLB Network joining us here in our countdown to opening day show with Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills and Brian, you know, again, people are I think baseball sometimes, I don't know if we bring it upon ourselves sometimes, but it sure seems like we're easy targets. Length of game, uh, you know, all this stuff, boring baseball, this, that, and the other thing. And now there's talk about trying to do a number of different things. We've heard anything from banning the shift to limiting pitchers to having to face three batters to doing this, doing that. It always seems, and I'm 55 years old, that this game figures out a way it gets figured out on its own. Nobody has to really go in there and reinvent the rules. There's even something preposterous talking about, moving the mound back so you can make more offense. I mean, I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. Your take. All right. I'm your, I'm your age, but I have a very different take. I like all of these things. <laughs> I, I think there's a way, because if you study the history of the game, you know that there was once a lot of tinkering with the rules in the game. I know what you mean. Moving the mound back seems drastic, but the one thing that really needs to happen in Major League Baseball, and it's been coming and coming and coming, is the ball needs to get back in play. The And there's a lot of factors. I won't bore you with the details. You know it. But mm-hmm. basically the three true outcomeization of baseball is kind of swallowing it whole. And you need to change things because the players are supposed to act in their own self, self-interest. And they will. And we'll have a lot of Joey Votto baseball out there, mm-hmm. which is great if you're Joey Votto. But when you have a league of Joey Votto's, mm-hmm. well, you have a lot of guys playing lawyer ball now. Yeah. You want guys swinging the bat, putting the ball in play. That's hard, and it might take something like, and come on, they, they were proposing three inches. Three, it's, a, it's the size of a half a pencil. It's not that far. <laughs> There's small things. But can I say one thing? Like, if, like let's get back to baseball, uh, like just the basics of it. What you were saying, right? People get tired of, oh, is, what's wrong with baseball? Got to fix baseball. Stop this all. What's wrong with baseball? I agree. However, can we just do pace of play? Can we just do that? You guys live and die with, with a single club mm-hmm. watching every game, right? My God, there are, and there's been studies. Grant Brisby wrote about it in McCovey Chronicles. Uh, I think Jeff Passan wrote about it this, uh, this past winter. There's 17 to 20 minutes of dead time. Dead, just dead time. We're not talking pictures. We're not talking TV commercials. Guys standing around from the 1980s, from when we were watching baseball and we were like, you know, 20 years old. So it's not like going back that far that, you know, we're trying to get to 1950s baseball. How about 1984 baseball? The ball was in play. And there was 20 minutes of dead time gone. If we can just do a pitch clock and, or get the umpires, God forbid the umpires enforce the actual rules that are there. I'm sorry. People tell me it's impossible. It's not impossible. Put me behind the plate. I'll do it. I swear to I, I will absolutely do it. Get in the box. Get on the mound. Throw. Or ball one. Strike one. I'll go either way. Can we just do pace of play? And let's not make it a dirty word because we're bringing it up every year because it hasn't been done. Brian Kenny, if we're talking to you at Tropicana Field and with the Rays, we got to talk about the opener. Uh, as last year, it became a topic that you talked about quite a bit. Of course, Dave and I talk about it pretty much every day. This year, we're wondering, will it be three times through the rotation, maybe four, maybe sometimes two? Who knows? How do you see the opener playing out, and are you surprised that so many teams after it started to work, seem to start maybe jumping on board a little bit. Oh, there's going to be a lot more this year. And, and, and it, the answer is wherever it makes sense. If they do it once a week, if they don't do it at all, if that's what makes sense, you do what makes sense. It's not like the opener makes you a better ball club. It might on any given day. It might not. Um, I think they'll be mixing and matching with probably a bullpen day. 
I think they might have a tandem start day because frequently you'll have, it's not that, hey, we have nobody to pitch. It's that, hey, we have two guys who are pretty good, pretty good for two or three innings. Why not pair them together and just tandem start them? Uh, most every club, days four and five, you'd be better off having two guys basically be your starters. On other days, uh, depending on who you're facing and who you have ready, just use your seventh inning guy in the first inning. Let Ryan Stanek come out and get your attention right away. Throw in gas, wake up, here we go, we're underway, and, and kind of squash that first inning. And if, if, you know, if Charlie Morton isn't comfortable with it, if Blake Snell isn't comfortable with it, those guys have earned the right to say, I want the first inning. Take the first inning, big guy. You've earned it. Anybody with a sub-3 ERA that wants the first inning, in my book, gets the first inning. But if you're saying, I don't care where I pitch, bring me in whenever, come in the second inning. Who cares? Ryan, when you you look at the Rays, and again, they were one of the first teams to really incorporate the shifts. And, you know, Joe Madden, when he was managing the team, when he took over back in 06, really started bringing in a lot more analytics. Andrew Friedman in the front office. It's carried over now to Kevin Cash and Eric Neander and Hein Bloom and company. And, you know, the Rays are gatherers of information. They use the opener, they use shifts, they use their roster and utilize their roster manipulation maybe as well as any small market team that's out there. I mean, from a from a outsider's view, your take on the Tampa Bay Rays? Well, the Rays have been uh, at the vanguard of the revolution. There's no question. Probably even more hardcore than Billy Bean and the Oakland A's. Um, and I-, I love what they've done. Even last year, it was remarkable. Just by, and I- I'd written in my book three years ago that you know someone is going to bullpen and using the opener is an easy way to start applying that. I truly thought that would be ten years down the road. I didn't think bullpenning would happen. And the fact that the Rays went out and did it, to have the guts to do it, put yourself out there and do it. Think of how monumental that is. And now it doesn't seem like anything, right? Next year we'll see a bunch of teams doing it. We saw the Brewers do it in the playoffs, in a division series right away. We saw the A's do it in a one-game elimination. Suddenly all things are possible. This is the age of enlightenment, fellas. Like, this is great. And it just means you can do anything you want. And if you want, hey, I got Justin Verlander starting. He's going to start and hopefully get to the eighth inning. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, why not? But wh- why do I have to do that if I if I have Verlander and I can bring in a guy like Ryan Presley who can throw 100 miles an hour, get your attention, and now comes Verlander. Or bring in a, a slow left-hander and then bring in the hard-throwing righty. You can mix and match and do anything you want. And the Rays have just shown, hey, we're going to do this whole hog. And that's where you have success, shifting the same thing. I wrote about it in my book, too, that the, the Rays embarrassing the Yankees in, in that opening series in the Bronx in front of everybody got everybody's attention because, wait a second, you just embarrassed A-Rod and the Yankees. Too bad, fellas. And now everyone has to pay attention. So, yeah, teams are always thinking, oh, the Rays, you know, let them be cute. And if they fail, good. But when they don't fail, you got a problem. And last year, 90 wins got everybody's attention. Brian, your enthusiasm is infectious. So whether it be in person here or on the network, I love when you guys have the panel shows. And you've got Costas and you've got Chris Russo and sometimes a player and you've got (laughs) Verducci. What's it like hosting those things? Because those are great conversations like the Hall of Fame panel. Yeah, I've gotten spoiled and I've gotten used to that level of conversation because even on MLB Now, I'll have shows where it is, uh, you know, it's Tom Verducci and Bob Costas and Tony La Russa and uh, or Ken Rosenthal, Joel Sherman, uh, Ron Darling, uh, you know, and then, you know, our ball players. you know, we'll have Sean Casey sitting there. And it's, uh, it's uh, one great player after another, one great analyst. I have the sabermetrician sitting next yes. to me. I get used to it. So even a show like that, you're talking about our roundtable shows, just an extension of it where it's like, hey, man, you know, nothing but smart people and Mad Dog, no offense, <laughs> uh, you know, you know get, getting after it. And Mad Dog has the history yeah. of the game. And I love Chris Russo. But, yeah, I, at MLB Network, we do get used to that level of conversation. And I, I'm glad you pointed it out. Yeah. It, it is, like, even when I'm in it, like, I, yeah. I'm enjoying it. And it's a, it's a pleasure to, to deal with. Well, hopefully we're not dumbing you down here by uh, Andy <laughs> and Dave. But with that being said, that conversation, a lot of times when it comes to analytics and baseball or the eyeball test, if you will, it's either or. Do you, do you see it now becoming a little more and or? Is, is, is it starting to come back a little bit, do you think? Oh, there's no question. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a blend that, has, that actually has completely immersed itself in the fabric of Major League Baseball. You go talk to any GM and, and any manager now. I mean, the old days are, are done. Now it's total immersion in 
What, where's our information? How are we weaponizing our team? And you can see that now. Just when I, I, I was stunned, even last year, doing spring training and going from the Brewers to the Diamondbacks to the Rockies and hearing every club say basically the same thing. Hey, whatever works. We take all ideas. Why not? We can do this. And, we, and they also have baseball operations people now totally integrated with the coaches, with kind of these player coaches like liaisons, like Rocco Baldelli was last year for you guys, where it's like, hey, man, I am immersed in the baseball ops department. I hang with these guys all day long, and now I'll also translate what might be a little easier for me to the player himself. That's been the new wave. And so, yeah, all that now is it's, it's a it's arms race of information using really scouty baseball-y mm-hmm. stuff with, hey, what pitch, what pitch sequence, what's the swing path, like stuff that's like really in a player's wheelhouse. This is not like just Bill James Voros McCracken right. stuff. <laughs> this is now hardcore baseball Pitcher, batter, and the war at the plate. I, I, was, t- I was told there'd be no algebra. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm broadcasting. But. Well, we are counting down to opening day. And, Brian, we thank you so much. Like I say, you're always with us in the booth uh, as we're getting ready for games. MLB Now and MLB Network. Happy opening day to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you very much. Hey, by the way, I'm back April 20th. Red Sox for the opener, the Ryan Stanick opener. Beautiful. I voiced, I have some voices, so like when you go to open your bottle and you, you, if you come here to get one, uh, you'll hear my dulcet tones. Beautiful. I don't know if you want that first thing in the morning, but it, maybe late at night you're popping yeah, over a be, beer. Over, yeah. That'd be a little better, yeah. You'd be opening something <laughs> first thing in the morning. It's a good point. But I'm back April 20th, and I'll, I'll be out throwing out the first ball, so I'm working on my slider, yeah. and uh, I will be the initial outgetter that day. It'll be opening. And love to have you come by the booth when you come by. Yeah. And uh, we do hope to see him when he comes back on April the 20th. And until then, we'll see Brian Kenny on MLB Network. And we thank him very much for joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day. You can cheer on the Rays on Sunday, February 24th, when they host the Yankees at Charlotte Sports Park. The first 1,000 fans will get a Dan Johnson bobblehead courtesy of Moffitt Cancer Center. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring to purchase your tickets and for more information raise up tough day on the baseball side for uh, guys who have been around the game for a long long time and nobody's been around the game longer than tom giordano we knew it was t-bone he was a guy that came by the booth a longtime scout front office guy was working with the atlanta braves even at 92 93 years old well t-bone passed away today and it's a you know again it's a very very sad day he was really one of those guys you really look forward to seeing and always had something nice to say something great to say and even, again, last year at 92 years old, had a great insight to the game of baseball. Well, you want to be happy because he did live such a good, long, and happy life with a terrific family and just gave everything for baseball. I know I first heard of him when I was a, a very young fan with the Orioles. He ran their farm mm-hmm. system and helped them become a great team. And just on a daily basis, we're absolutely going to miss him. R.I.P. T-Bone, that's for sure. Hey, Countdown to Opening Day, a production of the Tampa Bay Rays Radio Network. Our executive producer, Larry McCabe, game produced by Chris Mueller or Chris Miller, whichever way you want to see it, and engineered by Trey Downey. Also, thanks to our guests today, Blake Snell, Kevin Kiermeyer, and Brian Kenny, our production assistants, Rachel West and Greg Bogos. Now, for my broadcast partner, Andy Freed, I'm Dave Wills. Again, this has been our Countdown to Opening Day show. Next show, next Saturday at 5.30 on your home for Rays baseball. That's 95.3 WDA and AM 620 in the Rays Baseball Network.